Hello. Bienvenidos and welcome to the Latino Card. I'm Rebecca De Leon. I'm JJ Saldana, and we're recording from Radio Boise. And today we have Leo Morales from ACLU of Idaho. We are really excited to have you. We've had your colleagues, your underlings. I don't know what you're allowed to call them. Colleagues. <laughs> yes. Colleagues, colleagues, sure. teammates, you know. Right. I hope they, I'm embarrassed now because I was totally fanboying when they were here because I love the work that Ruby and Kathy do. We, we were all fan. Boy. <laughs> that makes the three of us. Yes, no, they, uh, yes, no. Ruby and Kathy are incredible, um, you know, colleagues at the ACLU. Do amazing work, and uh, you know, I'm so honored to be working with them uh, uh, on a daily basis. So, yes, you guys have like a superstar team over there at the ACLU. You guys have all amazing, all amazing people, and it's it's really telling. I think the amount of work that you do with the small such a small staff you would think that the ACLU has got like 30 people but you don't have 30 you have like 10 right not quite 10 yet but at some oh point oh my goodness <laughs> you haven't even made it to the double digits yet not that's yet. impressive not yet. yeah it's very impressive the, the work that you do and we're glad you're here because there's a lot of issues we want to talk about both nationally and local that have come up that I think you're probably going to be the expert and be able to answer some of those questions for us yeah so um Let's start a little bit of uh, talking about you. So you're the executive director of the ACLU. How long have you been executive director? So, goodness, so I guess July 31st was officially four years wow. as the executive director of the ACLU. I've been at the ACLU for um, over seven years, almost eight years. Uh, come October 11th wow. uh, of this year will be um, a full eight years with the ACLU, and, and time flies for sure. Wow, my gosh. And then before that... You did um, community mobilizing work with ICANN, right? That's correct. I used to be with the Idaho Community Action Network, a statewide uh, nonprofit community organization. And there I was uh, eight and a half, eight, yeah, eight and a half years as an employee. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I learned lots of uh, the skills with regards to community organizing advocacy at the Idaho Community Action Network and have transferred uh, some of those over to where I'm at now with the ACLU. That's right. So the ACLU, I, I, you know, I have noticed that is very multifaceted. I mean, you have obviously a very strong presence um, in the legislature, but you also have a very strong presence in the community. Right. Um, and we talked about this briefly when Kathy and Ruby were here also, I think. Um, but is that on purpose? Was that led by you? Well, I mean, it, I, it's part of, I would say, a trend at the ACLU. So historically, the ACLU is known for the litigation. Mm -hmm. Here in 2020, the ACLU will be 100 years old. And so wow. right through that trajectory, we've primarily been known for the president setting cases in the country. But we've also, we are also an organization that has shifted and made the changes to make sure that we're around for the next 100 years as well. And I would say over the last decade and a half, the ACLU has been moving in the direction of doing a lot more advocacy as well, whether that's at the legislature or in the community. And we really have a three-prong approach to our work. So yes, we're in the courts. Litigation is really important. The second prong is that we're at the legislature, we're in Congress, at city halls. And then the third uh, would be the community work. So we're out in the community doing education, uh, know your rights trainings, and really mobilizing the community to, one, understand their rights, their constitutional rights, but second, to make sure that we're actually exercising their rights and protecting those rights for future generations as well. And speaking of know your rights, I'm seeing across just the country it's working. Um, we've seen it across the news saying because of the know your rights, they didn't answer their door or they knew that not to let this person in. They knew what a warrant looked like. So I think you guys are doing great work in getting that message out because people are listening and doing it. 
No, it's incredibly, I would say, inspirational whenever we see any person across the country be able to stand up and protect those rights, uh, particularly when we have a very powerful government and growing as well with regards to the tremendous of power and the capacity they have to make people disappear. And in this country that where we believe in freedom and liberty, mm-hmm. it's the people uh, that help protect that freedom and liberty from everyone. And when we stand up uh, as, as individuals to, to honor that, I think we're, we're better off as well. Let's talk a little bit about why uh, knowing your rights is so important, especially now. Right now, we are really um, in a very unique time, I think. Um, we have been seeing in the news a lot, there have been ICE uh, raids. raids, or at least um, you will hear that an ICE raid is coming and that they're targeting specific cities and it's going to happen this weekend. And I have seen the repercussions among um, the immigrant community. We have varying status, you know, we have, from undocumented to even a legal permanent resident. People are scared to leave their houses. They all bunker down and turn the lights off. They won't answer for anybody. It's very stressful. Um, so is this normal, Leo? Has this happened in over, you know, 10, the last 10, 20 years, or is this is this new? It definitely has been more escalated, right? And we do live in times that I would say are are of historical proportion. Um, it's, it's very clear with the new administration, with the Trump administration there, and their belief uh, to target immigrants, particularly immigrants of color. That is, you know, let's be firm about that, that it's certain immigrants, it's not all immigrants, and that the environment that they have created, an environment of exclusion, of terror, of trauma, is is of historical proportions. Now, we've seen other administrations be very active on, on immigration detentions enforcement, but we haven't seen the, the level of terror that we have under this administration and so that, I think, is something that, that, that we should all be, be aware of. Well, first of all, we are aware of. I think that many community members, regardless of their immigration status, clearly understand that we're in different times. And in um, because we are in moments of crisis, it is now that all Americans should really stand up uh, as well uh, to protect the constitutional rights of every person, regardless of immigration status. But I would say even... Because it's at times of crisis, it is during times of crisis that we tend to lose our liberty, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is the history of America. That is the history of the world. And it is during those times uh, that we need to actually rise to protect those, those constitutional protections. And so we have indeed been escalating uh, our work with regards to Know Your Rights for Immigrants because uh, uh, that is an area where the uh, current administration has has been committed to to uh, removing individuals uh, in in various ways. So, have those raids been actually happening, or is it just to create that culture like of terror a for a specific kind of immigrant? Right. Well, I think that there's probably multiple reasons why they're doing what they're doing, uh, and they could probably speak to their specifics. But one thing that is clear is that. Uh, that indeed, that whether intentional or unintentional, uh, th- the level of fear that they have been created um, is 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 tremendously uh, hurtful, 
horrible uh, for, for the impacted community. And again, that may have been uh, strategically thought out, we're going to do this uh, or not. But regardless, the point is that the community is certainly very traumatized at this point. Um, with regards to, you know, these large-scale raids that were announced, um, you know, a while ago that they were going to arrest between the 2,000 and 6,000, you know, we have not seen those numbers yet, and there's been, like, cancellation, postponements, pushback. Mm -hmm. But what is clear is that that the effect um, has been very strong with regards to the trauma and panic that is created in the community. And so the community, indeed, now completely behaves very, very different. Um, and very recently, you may remember in Jerome, there was yes. that video that was circulated around um, where one hotel staff indicated that there may be, right, uh, the likelihood of someone staying there was likely true. And so that mm-hmm. was circulated and it created significant amount of trauma across the entire yep. state where we even made national news on, on this issue. Uh, and so regardless of whether the president and the administration has actually followed through and arrested at thousands, which is not the case at this point, uh, what is true is the level of trauma that is out there and continues to be out there and the pain that is caused on, on immigrants, immigrant families, on children um, as well. There's a lot of divisiveness, I think, between um, people who feel empathetic to what you described and people who don't, people who say, oh, well, because you are you are absolutely right. When we think of this immigration issue right now, we don't think of like immigrants from Sweden or, you know, there's a specific kind of person that comes to mind when you're talking about this issue for, for everybody. And that is person is a person of color and it's typically male. And so the people who are saying, um, you know, oh, well, why should I feel bad for them? They're not even supposed to be here. You know, why? that that's what you get right. what do you what do you have to say to that for sure i mean i think one um for many individuals that truly care about the future of the country we have to do more right regardless of our citizenship status regardless uh, uh, of our immigration or the color of our skin if we truly care about the future of this country we have to be involved uh, because the the divisiveness in the politics is actually making it more dangerous for the country itself and the future of our democracy and the way of life and the values that 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 we uphold in this country of liberty and, and freedom for all. And so that, I think, is one thing that we must remember is that regardless of the color of our skin, the fact that we're having more of the divisive politics and the fact that it's it's a racialized conversation as well. It's a conversation based on and, you know, part, you know, the, the roots of America. And we do have, we have to come to terms with the fact that in this country, um, race is an important issue, right? It, race mm-hmm. has always been, it will continue to be, it is now. Um, and it is important to talk about that and be very careful with how we actually frame those conversations so that it, it can actually takes us, take us in a direction where we're actually talking about proactive st- steps to deal with our historical reality and current practices of, of race as well. Um, but that, again, I, I, th- I hope that, that everyone can, can also take to heart the fact that what's at stake is really um, the, future, the future of the country. Do we have rights as U.S. citizens that are the same as those who are here either undocumented or they Residents have deferred action? Or DACA. Right. So do we all have the same rights? Are they different rights? Or, you know, why are U.S. citizens getting detained? So it's very important to to know, right, that every person, regardless of citizenship status, has constitutional rights. 
So that's the most important thing to remember, right? There are more details there, but as long as someone can remember every person, right? The Constitution says persons and does not say U.S. citizens. So every person mm -hmm. has constitutional rights. Having said that, there are also some differences. So, for example, um, uh, legal permanent residents um, have certain rights and, and certain privileges that they don't have. The one clear example is the the right to vote, right? That's just one clear example how U.S. citizens are the only ones that can actually vote in federal elections, state elections. Now, there are certain circumstances in certain municipalities where even undocumented people can vote, and that's a different conversation for another time. Um, but um, with regards to the arrest of U.S. citizens, I mean, I'll go back to the fact that we have a very racialized type of approach to issues, right, and, and, and the fact that you know, uh, immigration uh, enforcement sometimes is done based on someone's skin color. And so what we see out there mm -hmm. is the the work of immigration uh, who do arrest um, U.S. citizens, right? And, and that has ha has been happening for years now. Um, and uh, I'm glad that the stories are coming out because any American should be concerned about that as well. Um, and so, again, there there's stories... Seriously, probably every month that will come out of immigration actually arresting, detaining, arresting, holding a U.S. citizen in custody uh, for multiple days. Is it racial profiling that they're doing? Is it based on skin color, if they hear them speak Spanish? Or why is it that U.S. citizens are being held if they have a constitutional right? And especially right? if they're providing the proper ID. Right. And that's that's a really good question. I mean, and again, this probably goes back to the fact that we there are individuals that are being racially profiled. And that's in my opinion, that is exactly what's happening. And as a result, uh, and because there is a, a target on on, on on people of color. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very rare that we hear that someone uh, of white skin is actually U.S. citizen gets detained. But we hear far more stories of of individuals um that are brown, black, uh, that are detained are U.S. citizens. And even like in the case that we saw just not too long ago of the young man in Texas who's driving up to North Texas uh, for a soccer competition, I believe, yeah. right? Who even right. after their attorney and parents showed proof, like a birth certificate, proved that they were U.S. citizens, they were still being detained. And again, that's, that's a... Uh, and that's in part because there is some racial profiling that's occurring. And so what can you do about that? Not only for the detainment part, but I see that as abuse as well. So I see, can they sue not just for the detainment, but then also for the abuse that was suffered? Like discrimination, the racial Discrimination, profiling. abuse. There seems like there's right. a lot of crimes that are being committed right. just in that situation. Right. right. Well, there are definitely uh, violations that are occurring <coughs> by the federal government. And, mm -hmm. and you know, everyone has, has the constitutional right to also uh, address uh, grievances um, to their government, bring grievances to their government as well, including civil suits, right? Civil suits are, are something that that is there and is an option. Now, with regards to when someone moves, that's more of a specific case by case. And in each case, of course, attorneys will, will offer different advice, whether it makes sense to advance or not, depending on, on the, the specifics of the case. But there definitely, sometimes there's, there's a process to, to um, seek out a, a, civil, a civil lawsuit against the, the government. So, I mean, I, I would imagine then maybe in the last few years, ACLUs across the nation, have just, their work has just doubled. Oh, yes. Uh, more than double, for sure. I mean, it's been pretty incredible with regards to the level of work that we are engaged now. 
And again, it's on many issues, right? Immigrant rights being one of those, LGBT equality, women's uh, rights. Uh, I mean, it's just all over the place, right? We were the ones that, uh, in part with others, of course, were at the airports when yeah. the asylum ban, uh, when the Muslim ban, rather, mm-hmm. um, occur. Um, and, and the attack on the uh, process for seeking asylum in the U.S., uh, the most recent memo uh, by the president to go ahead and, in our opinion, remove the constitutional rights of individuals to due process yeah. with regards to arrest. So, and, and that is right. Individuals that have been in the country for less than two years are now, you know, the government just decided to remove their due process rights, their, their right to courts and be and be arrested across the country. So there there's a lot of work that we've been involved in uh, on multiple issues and um Again, I think that we've also seen a significant uh, amount of support for the ACLU, and that's been very, very helpful. And in part, I think as Americans, we realize like when it comes to pushing back and protecting our rights in America, the ACLU is is the organization mm-hmm. with uh, yeah, capacity absolutely. right to 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 uh, to lead us as well. And so again, I, I'm honored to be one staff uh, at the ACLU. Well, we're glad that we have an ACLU here yeah. in Idaho because, like we said, your team is, kicks butt. I mean, you guys do such hard work that you know if we didn't have the ACLU. I think a lot of people would be at a loss of what to do. And so that's true. Even, and it's, it's not just helping them with court cases, just even answering simple questions that people may have. It eases their mind, even by just saying, these are your rights. That's enough for some people to be like, okay, I can calm down a little bit because I know my rights. So it's not just taking people to court or running cases. Just answering their questions is a big deal for a lot of these people and knowing that you guys have experts to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's really a symbol, I think, across the, the country when you see something like, you know, that, that young man who was detained even though he was a U.S. citizen and provided the documents. It's scary. I mean, I get really um, stressed out. I get really scared. And then I see shortly after, like, oh, the ACLU is bringing them to justice. I'm like, ah, there you yes. go. It's and you're, time you're symbol of, of the Statue of Liberty. And I'm like, there we go. Right. It gives me a lot of comfort in this very scary time. It's yeah. very scary time for sure. And again, particularly for certain Americans of a particular shade. Um, but again, I, I also go back to why it's so important for all Americans, regardless of the, the skin color, why they should be involved. Because mm-hmm. seriously, what's at stake here is the future of America. It is the values that, that we have and the kind of country we want to live in as well. Because typically the way oppression occurs too, particularly government type of oppression, is they target individuals that are easy to target, right? Mm-hmm. The individuals that are more mm-hmm. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's how our rights begin to be lost. Uh, for all Americans, right, for all persons in America, is that you target those individuals who attend, who, who and the government believes are at the fringes. And, and it is during those times, at during those uh, moments of crisis, that all Americans should remind ourselves, like, okay, this is actually when I should come in because it's so important in protecting our rights and our way of life in, in the future. No, information is very powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Information is very powerful. And the more information we can get out to, to the community, I think the better off we're, we're our, uh, we are as a community. And that's something, you know, we do and we partner with, with others as well. And we're going to continue to do that. And I've noticed that you, um, all of your Know Your Rights sessions or presentations or whatever, they're always in English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, you have not just yourself, but I think you have a couple staff members who are fully bilingual and that also... Um, it really ensures that the information is getting to the people who need it. Um, so I was wondering, would you mind giving us like a really quick mini know your rights thing? Mm-hmm. So let's pretend that I'm at home and 
there's ice knocking at my door and I get really nervous, like what what can I do? What what should I do? Well, first of all, I mean, you have the right to, uh, you know, not necessarily answer the door immediately, right? Uh, so, so remain calm. That's one. You know, you, hold my you, hand. You, yeah, hold my <laughs> hand exactly. So, I think you remain calm. That's one. If you actually can spot them outside, you know, and this is another thing to clarify is that we we are in very difficult times where sometimes we see individuals come uh, uh, do uh, like sell, people that are thinking of selling stuff. Or, right. you know, we also have uh, missionaries that are out door knocking and mm-hmm. sometimes they're, they're wearing their suits and people will leave. Oh, my God. La migra's here. Immigration's oh, yeah. here, right? <laughs> when in reality, it's not. Yeah. And so it's so important to be calm, right? Because when you're calm, you can probably uh, better react as well. Mm-hmm. So be calmed. If indeed it, it's, it's proven, it's legit that immigration is there, um, then, you know, remember that you're in private property. That's your home. Right, that's private property, and the Constitution gives you protection. And so, in order for for law enforcement to enter your home, either they must have a, in the case of immigration, have a a warrant uh, for you that's signed by a judge, not an, an administrative warrant, which is often what they carry. It's signed by a colleague, but it needs to be a a, a warrant signed by a judge that will authorize them to come in. Um, and so, either they have that. Uh, or you invite them in, and so therefore you give consent for them to enter into your private property. What some people do is they just never open the door, right? They don't open the door, and so what they do um, is they call a friend. You know, they call a friend, a compadre, a comadre, you know, a neighbor. Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm scared for, 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 for the situation that I find myself. Can you please come? And then other people will come as well. And so either they may have different access that they can get into the house to be there with you, or at minimum what you get is you alert others as well. Mm -hmm. So then they come and they can be there and be witness, right? Being witness is one of the most important things that that others can do Mm -hmm. to be allies and support as well because government is less likely to oppress or to... to, um, deny someone's rights is if if people are watching right mm. and so oftentimes rights are abused when no one is watching and that's just a general statement right and so if we have the public there if we have someone recording then it's less likely that someone's rights will be abused and so again remain calm your insight if you don't feel comfortable call someone right someone to come in and actually help you now because if indeed it's immigration you want to be careful who you call right because if Good you point. call someone and, yeah. and that someone is not a U.S. citizen or a legal resident who will get additional questions, you know, you've got to be careful with that, right? So, so that, I got to say that as well. Mm-hmm. So, so that's very important. Um, you can also, while still not opening the door, call an attorney, right? Oh. You're inside the house. You, I- immigration is still door knocking. You tell them, you know, I'm not going to open the door. I don't feel comfortable. I'm going to call my lawyer. You call your lawyer, you know, you rememorize a, a telephone number to an attorney's office, to an, to your personal attorney if you have one. You dial the phone first, call the attorney. Hey, I've got immigration that's knocking on my door. I don't feel comfortable. Um, and so hopefully someone will come and be there with you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's extremely important that even before you open the doors, there's a lot that can be done mm-hmm. in order to protect yourself and still honor your rights as well. And so... Uh, remain calm, call someone, call for support. Um, and uh, then again, if you choose to open the door, you can open the door. Note that there, anytime anyone opens the door, there, there are consequences, whether they're good or bad. So by opening the door, that doesn't invite them in or does it? Well, you know, it's, it depends. 
because usually what has happened is that immigration interprets that, oh, is you invited me in and you gave me consent and mm. therefore, right? Mm -hmm. And so even, and then, then, then that's where there's an issue at the courts and you get to figure out who's right or who's wrong. Generally speaking, I think usually immigration, you know, because of the resources they have, you know, the point is they probably already arrested you if indeed you didn't have status or even if you were a U.S. citizen, right, which we see as the case sometimes. So um, it's, again, it's it's uh, the opening the door is what gives access. Now, the other thing is that if you don't open the door, will immigration knock down your door, right, is the other question. Do, they have, the con do they have the right? Yeah. And so do they have the right is, is a different question, you know. Um, I would say they do not have the right to actually knock down your your, your door, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, there, um, you know, if they indeed they do knock down your door, we're talking about multiple issues there as well. And that, again, is more, you know, lawyers will get involved on both sides and get to figure that out. Um, and so um, there is what's going to be interesting, too, is, is this case, this video that went around of, of a, a gentleman and his family, I believe, driving to the doctor and um, mm -hmm. got there, yeah. you know, th the person was exercising his constitutional rights. Yes. And what I saw in that video um, was that um, the immigration got frustrated that someone was exercising their constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. And out of frustration, the, the law enforcement actually broke the window. There are multiple issues there, and including the trauma that was left with the child that was in there, right? Child and in the backseat. Child in the backseat, the baby, and then also the, the young man, because I think believe there was a, a young man in there as well of mm -hmm. school age mm -hmm. and so on. So there are multiple issues, and that, again, is when we, earlier we talked about the civil lawsuits mm -hmm. as well, and that's, again, separate. But, again, Remakecom, you're still inside. There are many things that you can still do even before opening the door. Um, and then even if immigration has... A, an order, uh, a warrant, you know, there, there are different things that you can still do to protect your constitutional rights, including the right to remain silent, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they may take you, they may drag you, they may do whatever they're going to do. You still have those constitutional rights. So I think the remaining silent, they're not signing anything. Um, and so that's just, you know, there's a lot of stuff there that we can unpack just in that scenario of the home, right? Right. Um, if someone chooses to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to turn myself in because I've got others here, then, you know, that person may choose to exit the door and, and that's done. Hopefully it's done there. But mm -hmm. at the moment that the door is open, immigration believes that that's an invitation and they may come in and, and ask everyone that's there for their immigration status as well. And so there are pros and cons to opening the door. Uh, again, what to, point to remember is everyone has constitutional rights. And even if you're inside and some and immigration's outside, you should probably also call for some support so you're not going through this process by yourself. Wow. I, I feel much better already. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a lot less freaked out. And, I think, and it is. It's very comforting to, to know, like, no, I have this right. I have, whether I'm a citizen or not, like, I have these rights. And I feel much more protected once I know that. Yes. Feel more human. Yeah, more human. There's another issue, too, that I want to point to. And again, this is a video that got circulated, and, and many folks that are listening probably saw it. Is that very powerful video of what happened in Nashville, Tennessee? With the neighbors? With the neighbors, exactly. Right, where there was a, um, the gentleman and, and son were in their vehicle when immigration came and, of course, wanted the individual to step out to arrest them. They were also honoring their right, and they didn't do that. And all of a sudden, what happened was the neighbors came, right? And and through I think it was 
it took, uh, oh, I want to say four hours, and I'm not sure whether it was four hours or not, but it was wow. a period where it, it, the, it got built up, more neighbors came, and ultimately what ended up happening there, because it's unlikely that uh, immigration had a warrant uh, signed by a judge, um, that eventually, through frustration, first of all, they were not able to arrest the, the pair of individuals. But what was very powerful, too, was how the community came around to protect their neighbor. And they build a, a human chain around the vehicle so that the young man um, and father uh, could actually enter the home, right? And that, again, is is another way of how to protect your rights in a community. Mm. And so eventually, based on what I saw in the video, the immigration left. Yeah. Right? Well, and they had called the police. Is my understanding there? And the police were like, there's nothing we can do because there's no warrant. Is that right? That That's correct. So, so law enforcement was there as well. And in that video, we see there's a questioning of law enforcement. And, and you're right. I mean, what we see in the video is like police saying there's nothing we can do. Um, I mean, I probably would have still questioned, you know, why are you here? Right. Why why was local police there as well? And so on. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe there's different reasons, of course. Uh, but the point is, right, is like there are times where if a crime hasn't been committed um, and there is no clear and present danger involved there, that really that it's very powerful what happens when the community and individuals choose to actually exercise their rights. And that's one thing we want to remind listeners, right, is that in whatever circumstance you are, it's so important to begin to honor and protect those, those constitutional rights. And the power of the video, too, right? That's a First Amendment, right? The ACLU is proud to protect that First Amendment um, of, of video recording as well. And that is a powerful tool because what it does is it, it allows the rest of the world to see what is happening. And as I mentioned earlier, it is less likely that there will be a violation of rights when everyone's watching. Mm-hmm. And that is in many cases, whether that is in, in the cases of immigration, whether that is in the case of domestic violence, uh, you know, abuse. When everyone's watching, the oppressor is less likely to actually commit something that's horrible, right? And so that, I think, is something that we should remember, too, is that when everyone's watching, it's less likely that something horrible will happen. Now, if it does happen, then all of us in a society have the moral responsibility as well to stand up for what's right. To wrap it up, the ACLU has done a lot to go to court and fight for the people whose rights have been violated, but they also do the community engagement piece, um, you know, and putting out these know your rights. So I have shared, um, you have an example of like a warrant that's signed by a federal judge so people can know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And we can link to all of this in the description of the podcast. Um, you have Know Your Rights cards that you can print off in English or in Spanish. You can keep it in your wallet. Um, there's so much that the ACLU has done and continues to do and you go out into the community to educate people of their rights. Um, what can people do to support the ACLU in these efforts to get people to retain their liberty and their justice? For sure. There, there are many things, uh, and I think there's something to do for, for every single person that wants to be involved. Anywhere between, you know, serving, being active, just a community member that will tell us what's happening out there in the community, to individuals, of course, becoming members of the ACLU, right? Membership speaks a lot. And it makes us stronger as an organization, uh, as well to becoming uh, donors of the organization as well that can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, support us in having the ability, the resources to do this work for, for years to come as well. There is, uh, you know, volunteering with the organization, coming out to rallies, coming out to events during the legislature, 
um, hosting an educational session at someone's home or, you know, there's just a number of ways that individuals can get involved um, and also supporting even other organizations in their own communities, right? Um, I think it's so important to also be involved with other groups in part because um, there's not too many groups out there. And so as a result, the ACLU, we get a lot of requests for support. And to be honest with you, we, we can't take all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Every year now we get a little over... It's over two thousand requests for support, wow. right? Wow. And that is a that is a lot. It's a lot, and we can't answer. And so I am also in favor of community members forming their own organizations as well and working in partnership with us. But again, if the ACLU is is something that speaks to to you to them, right, is to join the organization and identify ways that we can be more involved. As What's well. the best way for people who are listening to contact you guys? Sure. So there is, they can just go to ACLUidaho.org and there's, there's one, there's, there's a button there on how they can connect with us. There's that. Uh, second, of course, follow our social media. Uh, Jeremy, our communications staff is, is always on there. I'm not the best, to be honest with you, on social media. I'm rarely on there. And so I'm still style. Send me an email. Send me a text. Um, you know, I, I'll do that. I think I'm starting to, well, not, it's not even close. I was going to say I'm starting to get more active on social media, but that's really like I get As in on you're there. thinking in about it. thinking. Like yeah. I get on there maybe two times a week, three times a week just to review some stuff. But yes, no. <laughs> but again, uh, we have Facebook. We have Twitter. There, you know, we have our staff that are Your on Your staff that. is on there, so that's good. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you have people for that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, my people will get back to you. <laughs> All right. Well, Leo, we just wanted to thank you so much for coming. Um, I think this has been a very robust discussion. Very educational. Yeah, we're we're so um, thankful for the work that the ACLU does, and we're so thankful to have you here. So um, we appreciate your time. It's been really good. Everything you do, just taking time to come and speak with us means a lot to us. It does. It means a lot to us, and it, it makes me feel very reassured. Well, thank you both, and thank you both for for the podcast as well, and getting this out there. I think it's you know it's 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 a wonderful, and uh, you know you both are great leaders in the community who I, I look to as well. <laughs> and so thank you for your work. And again, we're we're in this together, and it's a partnership. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Yes, and uh, don't forget to follow us. We also have our own social media. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at at the Latino Card. Um, JJ, uh, Ash, and I are also very active on Twitter. You can follow each of us individually. Or if you have any questions, concerns, comments, um, you want to yell at us, you can email us also the old school way at latinocardidaho at gmail.com. Thanks. <laughs> so if you have any questions or any topic or anybody you want us to interview, um, shoot us an email, DM us, just message us wherever we're on social media. We're everywhere. Yep. Slide into our DMs and Ooh. we will see you guys in the next podcast. Bye. Hasta luego.